by just going through or tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the most pers- important person in this room right now. Amen? Uh, I'm glad you're all here. But if he's not here, we're dead in the water. If he's not here, we have no hope. And I just know that he will come where he is welcomed. Amen? So um, I just want to give you that explanation. We've got a, a few important announcements and we'll receive the offering at the end, but I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Hey, Larry, will you and David bring the um, pulpit over, drag it over here for me, and uh, set it up. Go to the book of Ephesians, and uh, this this series, had I've entitled it, Warring and Winning, Overcoming Evil in the Last Days. And... Um, if you remember, thank you guys, if you remember the report from the 9-11 Commission, one of their opening statements was this. They were at war with us, but we were not at war with them. Breaks my heart to stand here before you today and as I looked at the news early this morning, that apparently what they have found is that ISIS has beheaded another American. And this is, this is to put terror inside of your heart and mind their declaration over you and ours that, that we will raise our flag over the White House in the United States of America. And we see physically, ladies and gentlemen, that in this land and in this world, yes indeed, there is a war that's going on. Now there are people who might want to look the other way. Maybe there are people who won't even, don't even want to hear a message on what we're going to preach on today. But understand this, even if you do not think you're at war, somebody's at war with you. And so the only thing left to be determined is will you fight? Will you stand up and be the person that God has called you to be. One of the first rules of war is this. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Beloved, we cannot get away from the fact that from the garden in Eden, that serpent had set himself up to war against God's people. Let me give you a little introduction here. And let me just give you a, a, a big picture survey. How about when Elisha was there with his servant and, and, and the servant was looking at the chariots of the enemy that had covered the hillsides and he became filled with fear saying, how is it that we as God's people, how are we going to take all of these soldiers with their chariots and their horsemen, uh, their horses out? And you know where I'm going with that? The prophet Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes to let him see that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Do you understand what I'm talking to you about today? That the Bible says that we do not look to the things that are seen. We look to the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are only temporal. It's a fleeting moment. It's a flash in time. But today we've got our eyes on something that's eternal. 
something that will never be taken away. And apparently the prophet was saying, open his eyes because yes, you may see the chariots of the enemy, but understand the angels that, that are surrounding them far outnumber those who are stacked against us. The word of God says that if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm gonna speak the word of God into your life today. I want you to know that the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're not carnal. We don't fight with cannons and with missiles and with guns. That we have been given a spiritual armor. We've been given weapons of warfare. Even in this epistle that we're reading, we're studying out of, Paul put it this way. He said, we do not wrestle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but what? against principalities, powers, rulers of this dark world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And what that means, there, there, there is a ranking in the powers of darkness that are arrayed against us. And then Paul takes us on this journey. If I can get us to chapter six, you turn over, turn over there with me. This is because we've, for a couple of weeks now, we haven't been on this series, so let's, let's review to get to where we are. Remember the book of Ephesians is one of the few epistles in the, in the New Testament where Paul is not responding a letter that was written to him. By the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, this epistle probably, in, in the next three, Philippians and, and, and Colossians, are called the prison epistles, which he wrote from prison. But especially in these, he's dealing with the church. And how many is in the church today? How many is in the church today? All right. So he says to those who are in his church, he says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And he says, and God raised you and I up with Jesus and seated us in heavenly places in Christ. So here's what the Lord has done beyond anything that, that, that we've done or will do, he's already raised Jesus up and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for his church. And, and, and he says that he raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places. So there we're seated and then you read on through there through chapters two, three, four, five. It says, now as we're seated, we are to walk and, and I see four things. He says, we're to walk worthy of the calling that we received. Are you walking worthy? That's what we're supposed to be doing. He says, we're to walk in love. If you don't walk in love, Paul says to Corinthians, he says, it's nothing. You're just a, you're just a clanging symbol. Love is the focus of who he is, isn't it? We need to be walking in love. If you're not walking in love, you're not walking in the spirit. Amen. We need to be walking in the light as he's in the light. And then he says we need to walk in wisdom, knowing, the understanding what the Lord's will is and redeeming the time because the days are evil. All right, so we're talking about the end times, the last times. Now watch this. He says, I want you to understand, first, know your position. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But secondly, you've got to maintain your condition. And that is, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have already overcome. You're a conqueror. Come on, somebody. You've got to know who you are, who you're identity. You've got to begin to flesh that out. And yet you can, by faith, know your position. But he said, now you walk out as you're seated, you walk. And then he's apparently, and oh, Paul, I wish you hadn't have done this, but what he's doing is he's, he's writing under the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He brings us in our walk and he confronts us with principalities and powers and says there's, there's evil. 
There's a wicked one. There's someone that has positioned himself. Peter calls him your adversary who walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so understand, it is a reality. Now listen, this is really, I'm coming to to Ephesians 6. To, To deny the existence of angels or demons will lead you to deception. But to become obsessed with angels or demons could also lead you to deception or heresy. It's heresy to say, well, preacher, get up and give us three points in a sermon and make sure and keep it at 20 minutes because Jesus leaves the church after the 21st minute. And, 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 and don't tell us anything about this about evil because, see, that may run people off. People don't want to hear about that. And yet Paul says you cannot deny it. It's, it's as real as you're sitting there. So if you deny it, you're going to be led into heresy if you become too obsessed. And I don't want to do that either, do you? You know, you walk, well, there a, there's a demon in here. You know, there's a demon, there's a spirit of that. I think he had a spirit of this and a spirit of that. Listen, if you get spirit conscious, you're not Jesus conscious. You've got to have your antennas up of sensing what the Holy Spirit is saying. And, and he will, listen, there, if there's a spirit, he'll show you. But we don't want to become obsessed with angels or demons. I don't. And he takes us to this place and he says, there's, a, there's, there's a, an armor. Starts it off by saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. All right? Then he says, now I want you to put on the full armor of God. <coughs> Look at me now. Not one piece of this armor that he names to us is, uh, is something that we can just lay aside and say, well, you know, and a lot of pastors, a lot of, a lot of preachers, they emphasize that they, they like to talk about this shield of faith we're talking about today. A lot of them like to talk, talk about this, um, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But you understand that every piece of this armor is essential to you and I winning the battle and fighting, as Paul would say, the good fight of faith. So we need it. So he says, I want you to gird your loins with the belt of truth. I believe what one Rick Renner said, a, a Greek scholar is a pastor in Russia, that, that if, if you were to say which one is more important than the other, what I would probably say, I'd agree with him, that, that you've got to have the belt of truth. Do you understand that the belt of truth means the word of God? And if you do not have the word of God girded around your loins, then you have nothing else to fight with because that is the key, the word of God. But then he says, I want you to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, meaning that you and I need to walk in peace. We need to not be led by fear or driven by fear. We're not to be, not to be allow circumstances to collapse around us and collapse our world. That peace is a guard, a governor. It, it is something that guides us. So the word says, Let, uh, go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. It says, we've been given uh, the gospel of peace in our feet. And then he says, the breastplate of righteousness, the one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so that shuts the mouth of your accuser. I like that word that we sang. There is no shame in him, right? See, when the enemy tries to come in with condemnation, he tries to come in with guilt, you have a breastplate that says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And the word of God says that it's the blood that shuts the mouth of the accuser. When he comes up again to say things about about you, you say it's the blood, and it, sh- it hits the mute button. He can't argue against the righteousness that's been given to you as a gift. Come on, 
But then we come to this place and he says in verse 16, if you're there with me, 616, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Look at it again. It says, above all, now understand what that's saying. A lot of people would read that and say, well, that means that this piece of this armor is more important than the other. That's actually not what it means. When he says above all, he's not talking about the importance of the shield of faith. He's talking about the position of where it is. And it means that faith needs to first be out in front of you and it also needs to be covering. It needs to be that which is foremost central and the focus because faith is so important. In fact, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, there were two kinds of, of shields. There was one that was used for ceremony, these bright shields and glittering and painted, uh, but they, they were smaller the shield that he used, the Greek word that he used for this, speaks of a shield. Now listen to this, this is cool. The shield was in the shape of a door. The shield was in the shape of an entryway. In other words, it could lock or give access to things. This shield covered the warrior from head to toe. So the shield that God is referring to here, he says, I have given you a shield of faith that will cover you head to toe. So above all, you need to take this shield and, and the word there, taking. You notice that? Notice what it says there, taking? Do you know it's possible to be a Christian and to lay your shield down? Because you can say, well, I, well, if I died today, would I go to heaven? Sure you would if, if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus. But if you come under spiritual attack, if you do not have the shield of faith, then you are now, you're, you're vulnerable. You're in danger of being overwhelmed by an enemy. Listen now, that God has already given you victory over. Hey, 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 listen. There is a difference now between fighting for what you think you need to get the victory and fighting from victory because you already have it. Because the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that you've already overcome. And so if that's so, then we're not fighting for something, but the devil is certainly going to come and try to take something from us. So how important is faith? Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now put this graphic up here of the shield of faith. Um, uh, uh, this is a disclaimer. That's a really cool suit. And I like this one because, man, look at him. He's, he's got, um, uh, what's that, abs of steel. I mean, he's cut, baby. I mean, look at him. And, and I like his helmet. You know, he, he's, got, he's fully armored, fully arrayed. Only issue, this is, this is not the type of armor that Paul's talking about here. I'm going to show that to you here in just a moment. But this was the only graphic that I could find. Do you see the fiery darts? Here's what you've got to understand. That shield has been given to you. Look at it again. In your Bible it says, and that with which you will be able to quench, some other versions say extinguish, the fiery darts 
of the evil one. Look this way. Do you know that there were two things that the soldier was required to do to keep daily, listen, daily, daily. Have you maintained your shield today? I don't know if you knew this, but see, if that warrior, if that soldier did not maintain his shield, it would make him, he would be in danger of being succumb to an enemy's attack because he would not have the first thing that God says, this is going to be your protection when the enemy comes after you. All right? Here's, here's what he, the first thing he would do, he would take because this shield was made of six layers of leather. Six layers of leather. So if he didn't take, now watch this, daily that soldier would take and he would take oil and he would rub it into the shield. And it would keep it supple and it would keep it moist because if he didn't rub it, it would become brittle. And, 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 a, and an arrow could hit it and it could either catch it on fire or it could break right in his hand. So apparently your faith has to be maintained. Your shield has to be maintained daily. He would rub oil. I love the way Jesus, he said, when you pray, pray, give us this day our... So you could say, Holy Spirit, give us this day our portion of oil for our faith that it'll be strong in the Lord. The second thing I've learned about this shield that he's talking about, because now that, that one's a metal one, that's the reason I think this doesn't fit well, what we're trying to say here, but I like the, he's a cool looking guy, that's all I can say. The other thing is, did you know this? Is that they would take their shield right before they went into battle and they would go to a vat filled with water and they would dip their shield into water so that when the fiery arrows would be shot into their direction when it would hit their shield if it was if it hit and stuck into that leather shield that because they had dipped it and soaked it and saturated it in water it, it put the fire out immediately and Paul in this same epistle says this that you are to wash yourself in the water of the word in other words you're to take your shield of faith and dip it and saturate it in the word of God so that when you pull it out and the enemy comes against you with an accusation when he comes against you with guilt or he comes against you with condemnation or it's a fiery dart of lust or pride or religion or greed you hold your shield up and it hits and it puts it out because you've dipped it in the washing of the water through the word. Do you see how important this shield is? It is essential. God has given us an overcoming faith. Flip over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. I want you to see something with me here. We've been given an overcoming faith, beloved. And here's what he says, 1 John 5 verse 4. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. You notice there, there's a birth process. There's something that's released in the realm of the Spirit. There was something that was not, but because of the conception of the power of God, it's birth, it's something we couldn't do of ourselves, but it's born of God. And when it's born of God, it becomes invincible. It overcomes the world. And, and the second part of that, and this is the victory. Somebody say, this is the victory. Well, what is the victory? And this is the victory that has, notice the past tense of the word. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So beloved, look at that verse. Let it penetrate your heart right now and understand how important is your faith in God today? 
How important is it for us to pick up that shield of faith and say, as I go into battle, I'm confident because I have put my faith in the living God. And it says, and because of that, this is our victory. Look down at verse 18 of the same chapter. And we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he has been born of God. Now look at this. He has been born of God, keeps himself. Somebody say keeps himself. He keeps himself. And have y'all noticed this last part? And the wicked one does not touch him. Do you understand a lot of times we as Christians give the devil a lot more credit than he deserves? Well, I'm not going outside today because the devil's out there. It's the boogeyman. And the devil, he's a big, mean ogre. You know, whatever we want to say about him. And we've, we've taken the magnifying glass and we, oh, that devil's so big and bad. And the other, what you don't understand is when the devil looks at you, he sees a conqueror. He sees, he sees the one inside of you is called more than a conqueror. I mean, that song we were singing earlier, this is what was coming to me. The word says, greater is he who's in you. So we're going, oh, the devil's out there. And the, you walk in the door and goes, ah, it's Jesus in him. And so here's what I learned. You know, go, let's go back to the garden. Y'all all right out there? We okay? Go back to the garden. Do you understand that serpent had no access to Adam and Eve? He could not touch them. Why? Because they had been given an aura of God's glory. They had been given a, a, a shield of protection. He could not touch them. The only way that he could get access was by temptation, suggestion. Let me introduce into your mind, sir, the fact that you may be missing out on something that God didn't tell you everything. Maybe you're entitled to the fruit of that tree because, you see, God knows that in the day that you eat that you'll become like him, and yet he was already made in his image and likeness. And so now the serpent said, the only way I can get to you is through your mind. And here's the way I'll do it. I'll do it with fiery darts. See, the only way the devil can take your victory away from you is if you put your faith in something else. See, here's what I've learned. And and you understand that's true again today. You say, oh man, Bill... It's rainy outside. Could, could you snap your fingers and let's all go back to the garden? Oh, I bet it was real good there. Do you know that you can go to the garden right now? Not that garden. We've got one future. Because it was in the wilderness where Jesus overcame the enemy. And it was at the garden of Gethsemane where he prayed and interceded. And it was on the cross when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. Huh. I said, what does that mean? Is that when you are in Christ, oh, I'm going to preach myself happy now. When you are in Christ and the enemy tries to come against you with some temptation, some suggestion, some thought, that if your mind is crucified, that he has no access to you. Remember when he said the prince of this world, Jesus did, he said the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. 
So what does that mean? If you are crucified with Christ and the enemy comes up and tries to hurl a fiery dart at you, it is powerless. It cannot affect you. I love, I'm going to go back to this again. You've heard me say this before. One of my favorite quotes from the book, The Three Battlegrounds by Pastor Francis Frangipan, says this, you will remember the place where Jesus was crucified was called Golgotha which is interpreted the place of the skull. His statement is this, for where, the, where there is an uncrucified thought life, this becomes the beachhead of all satanic assault. So how's the enemy going to find his way into you? It's through the uncrucified thinking that we have. If we do not have the mind of Christ, then he will find our way into our thinking and he already knows because he knows the Bible he quoted it to Jesus because the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. So if you don't understand the power of faith and understand that faith is not just, well, it's just going to get me to heaven. Understand faith is that which holds up everything in your life. And if you do not have, see, here's the way the apostle put it, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Watch. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Do you see that when you hold up the shield of faith, your enemy is powerless against you. But you've got to make sure that faith has worked its way all the way through your thinking so that you have the mind of Christ. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And whoever keeps himself, notice, could you just stop the devil? God says, you know, I have given you armor. And if you keep yourself in my armor, he says, that wicked one's gonna come and it's not gonna touch you. Now, let me give you a picture. And boy, I, was read, I, I looked at this one. I thought, man, here's a picture for us as a church. Put that next one up there. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that moving forward and advancing in the kingdom, when we move forward as an army, we have to move forward unified. Do you know that there was a latch on the belt of truth that the, that the uh, shield was a, would be attached to and it would hold it up? Because a lot of times in battle, it would get heavy to, for the soldier to hold up. So it, the faith is directly linked to the truth. If you don't have truth, you have nothing to put your faith on. Amen. But notice this. There were also latches that were put on either side of the door. And as long as the army proceeded forward in unity, the enemy could not stop them. But if one of those soldiers dropped his shield, then the enemy could find a way into the army through his dropping the shield. Are you seeing this is a picture of a church where we need to be in unified, where you need to be unified and that we need to have all of our shields of faith in place because if not, then it's gonna make us uh, to where the enemy is gonna find a way to us. You know, if I can use a football analogy, some of you may not, and if you don't know football, but in special teams or coverage in a football, what they teach you during punt coverage or a kickoff is that your team, when you kick it, what are you, come on you guys, y'all help me out there, ladies too, y'all, we got some lady football fans here too. You're supposed to run down unified straight across. And what the coach would say, when you run down to cover, you break down and you do not let that person through your lane. 
All right? So you, you and I are a unified shield. But we're to never run down and then just open up and say, you can come in through me. Because now we become a place where he can get in. I love the, uh, the illustration. Uh, those of you who, who know warfare, um, you know the, the, the dome in Israel. They have a dome of defense. And I won't get into, into details here now. But when, when uh, Hamas and Hezbollah starts firing these Katusha rockets and these missiles, and they're, they're the dumb missiles, they, they, just, they, just, they don't have any coordinates in them, so they just shoot them and hoping that they hit somewhere. Well, this amazing thing that both the Israelis and the, the Americans came up with was strategically how to find out where that missile, and that missile can not only can tell you at what rate of speed it's going, it also, the defense system can rate the, the wind and how the trajectory of the wind, where it would take it. And when you launch the missile, the coordinates is in that GPS system, and it will go seek that missile, and it will take it down. Now, think about that for a moment. God has given you and I a weapon against the enemy that defends us against the attacks, the fiery darts of the evil one so that when the enemy launches an attack against you, God says, hold it, you have a shield of faith and it will protect you in times of battle. But understand, if you're not crucified with Christ, if you're giving place to the enemy, you see the enemy could not get in Adam and Eve in that garden unless they let him in. Child of God, you need to hear this. The enemy cannot get into you unless you let him in. But if you say, I have a shield of faith, Lord, and it will protect me and it will extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, then God says, then you're protected. You cannot lose in battle. This is your victory, even your faith. Where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, can I jump up and down? Can I stand on my head? Whatever I need to do to get your attention. Can I get you in the word this week? Will you not go home this week and throw your Bible down beside your bed or on the coffee table or somewhere and it's going to sit there all week until you come back to the church? Can I, can I challenge you? Can I appeal to you? Oh, I'm going to get down on my knees if I have to. Please, please get into the Word, church. Please get into the Word because faith comes by hearing. It's a living book. It's an alive book. And when you get into it, it gets into you. And all of a sudden you start noticing you're reading the words on the page but all of a sudden there's a DNA in there. There's, there's something that activates something in you and all of a sudden you're in it and healing comes to you. Deliverance comes to you. Revelation comes to you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. How are we going to fight with the shield of faith? You've got to get in the word. You've got to get in the word. Are you in the word? I have found that most Christians aren't. I know it might get a little quiet in here because I love you. But listen, one person said, your Bible sits collecting dust. It's the sword of the Lord, but yours is covered with rust. You got your commentaries and you say you're well read, but it doesn't mean anything if it's just stuck in your head. You got to be in the Word. And the Word's got to be in you. Because the next thing you know where we're going with this, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But this is, a, in order to get faith, you've got to build faith. The other one is Jude 20. You, I believe you know this one. But you, beloved, <laughs> I've 
got myself out of breath there. I preached a little too happy. Catch my breath. Beloved, that's the way God refers to you and me, to you and I. Hey, beloved, or as Ernest T. Bass would say, beloved. Hey, beloved. <laughs> he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Child of God, can I speak to you in love? I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to shame you into doing what we're called to do. But did you pray in the Holy Spirit this week? Have you been in his place to where you're praying in your spiritual language? And listen, it doesn't have to be in tongues. You can pray in English in the Spirit, but you've got to get to the place where you're in a flow, where the river that's inside of you is released, and out of your inner man are flowing rivers of living water. And it says, if we pray in the Holy Spirit, there it is, you're building yourself up. Do you understand that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're building your most holy faith? Think about it like a spiritual gymnasium. You're in the Word, and now you're praying in the Holy Spirit. And now it's like you're, you're in there, you're doing, you're doing the military presses. You're doing the, the curls. You're doing the squats. I mean, you're getting buff, baby. You're getting lean and mean. You're getting tough. Your spirit man is getting refined and is becoming a mighty warrior inside of you because you're in the Word and you're praying in the Spirit. And now you hold up your shield of faith and the devil can't stop you because you've been given a mighty armor. Are you being encouraged today? Listen, it's, it's, it's so important that we get in the Word and the Word gets with, within us. Look at this, because we need to have protection over our mind. James one twenty one, this out of the Amplified, says, But receive with humility the implanted and rooted Word, which is able to save your soul. Which is able to receive in yourself the implanted and rooted, some of your Translation says engrafted. I encourage you to go to, um, you can hear some of her teachings, Dr. Caroline Leaf. I've seen her on, on TBN. She's, she's just got some brilliant thoughts that, that, because we're finding out so much about how the brain operates. And, and, and she is a Christian who's gone forth and taken the research and then matching it with with uh, what the Word of God says. It reminds me of Dr. Rod. And I love to sit and just start asking him questions about, about um, the mind. And one of the things that she points out is that if, if you have a, a mindset of something and you're speaking it, but you don't really believe it, it creates a disparity inside of you. It actually activates negative chemicals inside of your body your acid levels get thrown out. Because if you do not live by conscience, it throws your immune system off. It will literally make you sick. And so what does God not know? He created your brain. He knows if your brain is not in harmony, one, with your spirit and with my word, it's going to literally get you sick. And it's, and it's going to throw up. You're not going to have peace inside. You're not going to have joy. Because you may be saying, it's like looking at somebody that you don't like and saying, well, I love you. You know, that creates a disparity in your own mind. Do you want to know something? That's not good for you. Well, you, what do you want me to say? Tell them, just don't tell them that you like them if you don't. And you say, well, well, I'm supposed to. Well, you can say, I love you in the Lord. I'm trying to love you, you know. But whenever we speak something that we don't really believe, it causes a problem inside of us physically. 
What does he say? He says, you need to receive inside of yourself the implanted word, the rooted word. Now look what it's able to do. It is able to save your soul. You say, does that mean salvation in heaven? Well, it does mean that. But the word salvation there is sozo. It means to save everything about you. Do you know that God doesn't want your emotions all tangled up? Come on, did you know God doesn't want you walking in depression or fear? He doesn't want you to have anxiety. He doesn't want you, I mean, you're, you're supposed to have peace inside because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're where God has chosen to live. So God wants everything inside of you to line up with what he says. So you gotta be in the word so the word can get in you so you can have faith and you also gotta be in the spirit and praying in the spirit so you're built up and you're strong. And listen, you can, if, if by next week, I love you now, but the preacher's trying to help you. And I'm trying to help me too. If if you code this next week and you're not in the word and you're not praying in the spirit, you're gonna come back here next week and you're gonna look at me and you'll say, I'm just going through hell. And I'm gonna say, have you been in the word? Has he planted his word? Is it implanted? Is it rooted in you? Because if so, you're going to have heaven inside even if hell is all around you. And you say, well, Bill, I'm going through it. Well, are you praying in the spirit? Because you have a self-contained oikos. You have an atmosphere, a greenhouse of his presence. And listen, it can be all becoming loose around you, but you can say, but it's not affecting me because I have a shield. I have a dome. I have a protection and it tells me no matter what I'm going through, I don't look at what I see. I look at what I don't see and I don't walk um, by what I see. I walk by, somebody help me. We walk by faith, not by So that's what we need to be doing. Last verse, turn to it there. First Peter, if you want to turn with me. First Peter chapter one because this is overcoming evil in the last days. It's about warring and winning. Warring and winning. First Peter one Five, y'all all right out there? Are you encouraged today? I'm encouraged. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you again, I'm preaching to myself. I might as well just go on back there, Roger, and sit with you and Johnny. I may just go back there and amen myself. Not because it's me preaching, because it's the Word. Thank you, Lord. First Peter 1 5 says, this is speaking of us now, is we are those who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. So there you go. There you go. Child of God, you look at me. You are being kept by the power of God. God makes a promise. I will keep you. I will hold you. I will not let you go. Yeah, don't lose your grip on me, but understand even if you lost your grip, I don't lose mine. And you are being kept by the power of God. How? Through faith. Through faith and believing. What is faith? It's simply this. Ready? Faith is believing in God's ability to perform what he promised. If I were you, I'd write that down unless you've got a photographic memory. Faith is believing in God's ability to perform what he promised you. So, child of God, don't you need to be getting into the book and, and looking at those words and looking at those promises and, hey, God says I'm healed. So if God says I'm healed, then I'm healed. 
Come on now. God says I'm free. God says I'm a child of his. God says I'm blessed. God says I'm a success. Oh my goodness. He says I'm prosperous. He says I have his favor. He says I have his blessing. He said, behold, I set forth heaven as a, and, and heaven uh, a record over you. I'll get it out. Heaven and earth. Y'all know what scripture I'm trying to do. Deuteronomy 30. And he says, I'm calling attention to you. He says, I want you to choose between life or death and blessing and curse. So you just step up to the way and say, well, God, is that what your word says? Then I believe in what you said. And he says of Abraham, he said, he was persuaded. <laughs> Are you? I'm persuaded that he's able to perform that which he also promised. So what do you need? What do you need? He's able. Oh, I love that verse. He's able to accomplish what concerns us. He's able to perfect that which concerns you. Child of God, look at the preacher. Oh, I'm done. Come on, Frank. Help me out here. Child of God, you've got to understand you are in progress. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He said over you, he said, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm going to come over here and say, and he said, in that work which I began in you, I will bring it to completion. That's who I am. He said, I'm going to come back over here. He said, I am your alpha and your omega. I am your first and your last. I am the one when I start a job, I do it well. Only thing is I'm saying to you today, child, is will you believe in the one who says he is the author and the finisher of your faith? Do you believe I'm able? Do you believe that I'm willing today? Because if do, you need to reach down and you need to grab that shield and you need to hold it up because this is the victory that overcomes. This is that when your adversary comes at you from every direction, he says, I've got you covered. I've got a shield for you that will extinguish. It will quench. It will put out every fiery dart of the devil. Because, and I love the way Paul puts it in Romans. He says, you put on the armor of light in these last days, these evil days. And he says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that every piece of this armor that I've just told you about, all of it represents Jesus. This is the victory. That I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. This is often misunderstood when I've said it, but please hear what I'm going to say. Take it back to the Word and see if this is not true. We have got to quit believing in our ability to believe. We've got to start believing in God's ability to supply. You say, oh, what are you talking about? There are some people, I've been in conferences where I've heard teaching on faith and it's almost like there's have faith in faith. You've got to have your faith attached to something just like that shield has to be attached to the belt of truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. So when you're talking about the belt, you said, I'm going to take my faith and I'm going to connect it. And then it says there's a community of faith. There's a household of faith. And I'm going to come with my wife and it's going to start here in my house. Are you looking at me? And I'm going to say to my wife, 
honey, we're, we're going to be people of faith. And as, as the, the prophet, priest, and king of my home, I'm going to link my shield with your shield. And now we're going to protect our children. Yes. The, the, when the enemy comes in like a flood against our children, we have a standard to bear against him. There's no weapon formed against us that can prosper because we've linked our faith together. And then come on over here, David and Larry. Y'all come on. All right, link up with those joint arms right here. All right, come on, y'all on in. Rose, you too. You're in the sermon today. I'm sorry, you're a visitor and you began this sermon illustration. Rachel, come on up here. You're coming in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to embarrass her. That's my job as a dad, embarrass your children. I want to give you a picture. Remember how the shields were put together? Church, take a look up here. Because this is what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to burn. First of all, I like that he's put beside me a real pretty girl and young kids. It's making me feel good. But I want you to see, as a church, when we link our shields, we're invincible. That's right. The enemy can't stop us. But the moment you and I do not take it up, I want you to look at what happens. If you're not present, you leave a gap. The enemy has a way into this church if you're not holding up your side of the faith. So let's pray, everybody. Stand together. Thank you, guys. Let's stand together, everybody. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.